Welcome to the Answers from Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalone. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. Today we have Colleen Hammond with us. She's an international best-selling author, stylist, speaker, comedian, and mother. What else is there that the listeners should know about you, Colleen? Well, I have a real strong background in television and radio. I did uh, The Weather at the Weather Channel, and uh, when I was 17 years old, I was Miss Michigan Teenager, so... I learned right from the beginning that the clothing that you wear and when you're in the public, people pick you apart. So in order to be taken seriously and to empower your own success or to actually detract from your own success or your own image, uh, what you wear is really, really important. Um, I also learned really early on that uh, what other people say about you really doesn't matter. So <laughs> so it's a balance between the two. But uh, after years of being in the public eye in television and working you know, as modeling and acting, I uh, worked with a lot of image and style consultants and a lot of extremely successful people and leaders uh, all over the world and in different countries. And uh, from each of them, I gleaned and learned a little bit something new uh, each and every time. So uh, it's just been, um, you know, I'm 53 now. So, you know, they say a woman will tell your age, will tell you anything. So go ahead and ask me anything. But uh, over the past, uh, you know, three going on four decades, I've uh, gleaned a lot of information with a lot of, from a lot of other people. And uh, just try to take that and encapsulate that and help other people. I mean, there's, these are a lot of things that just aren't taught in school. So trying to take those, you know, non-credit hours type information and pass along my mistakes and the things that I've learned from multiple people all over the world uh, and help people grow, you know, personally and spiritually and emotionally and with their business and personal lives. Is there a leadership failure that you could share with us? You know, early on, um, I, I actually left the, the Weather Channel. I was negotiating with the Today Show to take Willard Scott's place. And older listeners will know who Willard Scott is. Uh, younger listeners will know that Al Roker got my job. Um, so I was negotiating for that position at the Today Show because they wanted a minority to be the first minority on morning television. And I was going to be that minority as a woman. Uh, so remember, this was probably, you know, 25 years ago. And it was during those negotiations that we were about, I was supposed to fly to New York and sign the, sign the contract, and I was pregnant. And my doctor did not want me to get on a plane from Atlanta to New York. And so I postponed uh, that contract signing. And uh, it was after the, that Moses was born, uh, who's now 23 years old, he, um, they put his seven and a half pound body in my Arms, you know, so he was like born a toddler. And I just looked down at him. I got this rush of oxytocin. I had no idea what was going on, but I had gone from this uh, committed businesswoman to looking at this baby in my arms and thinking, I can't leave him. I don't want to leave him, and I didn't know what to do. So after much prayer and consideration and whatnot, I ended up leaving, um, not going to New York, leaving the entire television industry to be a stay-at-home mom. And it was at that point I started my own business and started working as an image consultant 
and a stylist uh, from the home so I could be a stay-at-home mother as well as work with people and use some of my experience, I developed a team of women that I was working with. And in my 20s, I thought the best way to lead was that, first of all, everybody had to like you and if you were friends with everyone. And I think that's the biggest mistake I made is that you know, the buck has to stop somewhere. Someone has to be the leader and somebody has to be the follower. There can't be a bunch of Indians and there can't be a bunch of chiefs. So I think that's the biggest mistake that I got too close, too personal, too friendly. And I notice I'm saying too much, you know, T-O-O, too much. You know, it's like you have to be friendly, you have to be personal, you have to care about the people that you're leading and guiding. But a leader is somebody that stands out in front and inspires and not somebody that's with the pack that's like, hey, what do you think we should do? You know, so I think that's one of the mistakes that I made early on. I made plenty of them, but I I think that's one of the mistakes I made early on um, is to understand that leadership can sometimes be lonely where you know you when you lead you're out in front and you're guiding people and um you're inspiring people you know you want to to convince and attract people to you but but at the same time you're inspiring them to move to the next level uh and you really can't always be a good leader because there's tough decisions to be made as far as you know um you know, visionary positions and, and leadership positions and guiding and coaching and building and working with your people that you can't do comfortably if you're somebody's best friend. So uh, that would be, I think, the mistake that I look back in my own personal life and found that I was trying to be liked by everybody and everybody's friend when uh, later I found out that, that there's importance to have that division. Yeah, I can understand that. I don't want to while we want to be friendly, we can't bring it too far because then, then things just get a little complicated and messy. Well, they do, and it becomes like, um, oh, well, Colleen will understand if I turn this in late because she knows what's going on in my personal life, where in a business situation, that just wouldn't happen. You know, I may understand, but I still want things done. And when you're that close to people, you do empathize. And you end up like, you know what? I understand what's going on in your life because when I was at your house last week, I totally get it. You know, so it makes it difficult to be a leader when you're so close. So there's a difference between having that empathy and running a business. Right. And, you know, they're, they're, you just can't. And I crossed that line. All right. Um, you shared a failure. What's the leadership success that you've had? Uh, I've had a lot of leadership successes since then. <laughs> I think, I, I think, gosh, um, you know, I had one, because you, you told me you were going to ask me that, and I had one prepared, and now I can't remember it. Um, and it was a good one, too, and I don't remember what it was at the moment. But I, I think a leadership success is, is when you can look and see that everybody was happy, you inspired people to something that's ethically and morally a good thing, you helped other people, and everybody was helped in the process, and everybody gained something from it. So I think that's always our goal in our business and and in leadership and in our families and in our personal life, that we want to take those steps in the right direction and always be ethical and moral. And, you know, I have... We'll cover this a little bit later, but I have five tips that I, I like to close with as far as leadership is concerned. 
uh, and that's one of them, is always doing the ethically right next thing. Uh, because you'll never go wrong when you always focus on doing the moral and ethical correct thing. When money gets in the way or you know, you're worried too much about what people are going to think of you and so you compromise your decisions, that's where you'll see not only your personal life, but you know, you can implode that way because it goes against your grain. Um, but I've always found that making the hard decisions, but always making sure they're ethical and moral for your, for your beliefs and your standing, um, will never, never go wrong. So I, I think that's kind of what boils down so many of the leadership successes that we've had in, in our business, which has changed over the years, but uh, and in our personal life, is when the end outcome may not have been what you were going for, but the end outcome always makes everybody happy. And hopefully lines your pockets as well. You know, but, you know, I find when you aim for money, you lose track of your why and you lose track of ethics and morality. So when all of those things are in place, you may not hit the exact target you were going for, but, you know, when you help people and you get to a position, then I think that that's a sign of, of leadership success. You're inspiring people to something that's a greater common good. And with your background, it's in fashion, correct? Um, it's mostly in television, actually, oh. television and radio, and working in commercials and, and acting and that type of thing. But it was working with the image consultants and then starting my own business 30 odd, 40, oh, 30, yeah, over about 30 years ago. So, so with that experience with the fashion consultants, do you believe leaders should pay attention to their fashion sense? Yeah, not as much fashion, but your image. Okay. And image can be boiled down to you know a number of things, but people will make an instantaneous first impression of you uh, when you've got seven seconds. So when you walk into a room, let's say at a conference or a convention or a cocktail party or a business meeting. And people turn and look at you. There's 11 things that sociologists have studied and found out. There's 11 things that people determine about you within seven seconds. Just by glancing at you for seven seconds, they know your economic level. Or they, don't, they may not know it, but they determine what your economic level is, what your education level is, um, your competency, honesty, believability, credibility, whatever you want to call that. They, they, they instantly know if they can trust you. Um, they have a sexual identification. People can look at you and determine, you know, are you gay? Are you straight? Are you transgendered? Are you whatever? Uh, or they don't know whether you are or not, but they, they will determine. They'll get an instantaneous impression of just by looking at you of what they think you are. Uh, your level of sophistication. You know, are you going to be comfortable you know, in the boardroom with Donald Trump, or is that good? Are you better, are you better off with Honey Boo Boo? You know, I mean, it's they they look at that level of sophistication. Are you trustworthy? Do you what? What's your level of success? Your religious background, your political background, um, your social standing, and your ethnic background. So, sociologists have determined those eleven things are instantaneously determined by another person about you just by looking at you for seven seconds. So it can be based on what you're wearing, uh, how you're moving, your body language, how you hold yourself, uh, how you shake hands, all before you ever open your mouth. So by taking all of that into consideration, you know, there's that old saying, dress for the job that you want. 
And it's very true because all of these things, when you go into a job interview, uh, when you walk onto a stage, when you show up on your YouTube videos, uh, 11 things are determined about you by other people just within the first few seconds. So, if, for example, you're looking at a YouTube video that you've done and you notice that people are watching it for 20 seconds and then they're gone when you look at your, you know, your analytics. Okay, wait a minute. What are we doing in that first 20 seconds? Maybe I need better lighting. Maybe I need better hair. Maybe I need better grooming. Maybe I should be wearing a different color or a different pattern because different colors will send different messages as well. So all of these things are determined immediately. Uh, same thing when you look at the um, debates that were going on recently for the upcoming election. You see uh, somebody walks on the stage. A man or a woman doesn't matter. They're judged immediately. How, the man, how does his suit fit? How does he tie his tie? How, what color is his tie? What color is his suit? Is it buttoned or unbuttoned? What color are his shoes? Are his shoes scuffed? What's going on with his hair? You know, all of these things will cause people to make an judgment. So what do you want other people to think about you? It has nothing to do with fashion and following the fashions. It's about your image of how you're groomed, what you're wearing, what colors you're wearing. So it's vitally important to make an impression within those first seven seconds. You will make an impression with those in those first seven seconds. It's just, which one are you going to make? So what, what are a couple of things a leader can do to make a better impression if they're not making a good one right now? I think the first and foremost would be, you know, watching your colors and watching your grooming. Uh, in colors. Colors tell a huge story. Tell a huge story. You know, going back to the debates again, you'll notice that politicians will wear a blue suit. Why blue? Well, blue, and this goes, anybody that's studied advertising or graphic design, you'll know the principles of design or the principles of art, the five main principles. I'm not going to get into that, but knowing that the color blue sends a loyal message you know you're honorable trustworthy loyal blue is a very calming color it also shows that you're very organized so think about companies that use blue in their logo IBM GE that type of thing that's it's very loyalty oriented so if you want to come across in the first impression as very loyal and honorable wear blue and trustworthy not a powder blue so women have to be careful don't go for the softer colors you, you know, because it, you, know, you want to coordinate with your skin tone, etc. And I have a whole program that gets into that. But just in general, blue. Red is a power color. Red is authority. Red means, you know what? I'm in charge. So you'll notice politicians often will wear a red tie. Now, if they wear a red and blue tie, what they're saying is, I'm an authority, but I'm also an equal. So they have both of those messages subconsciously going on. What's interesting is these color, uh, around the world, these colors mean almost the same thing in all cultures. So since we're mostly working in the United States, then we'll just kind of gear toward that. So men may wear a red tie. Women, if you want to go into a situation and be seen as an authority, you'll wear a red blazer. So look at a lot of the politicians, and I've worked with politicians before. When they get their official photograph taken, I will put women in a red blazer. Look at uh, Hillary Clinton's official picture. It's going to be a red blazer. Uh, Condoleezza Rice, it's a red blazer. Um, uh, Sarah Palin, red blazer. I mean, 
name me a politician, a political, a successful political woman, and you look at her official picture, more than likely she'll be wearing a red blazer because it screams authority. So those are the two colors in business that you really want to focus on for those two reasons. The colors you want to stay away from, well, red, too much red on a woman comes across sexy, especially if skin is showing. So too much red, that's what I'm saying, like a red blazer, all covered up to like your collarbone, you know, nothing lower <laughs> or a little lower is okay. But too much skin showing and wearing red comes across as a sex kitten. So that's why they use red, you know, a lot in the red light district or anytime they're selling lipstick or, or something like that, it's, it's going to be the color red. So you want to stay away. Orange, that's very friendly color, but it's not really business oriented. Yellow is more energetic and associated with school buses. So it's more associated with children. Now, green is another color you can use in business. It's a very positive, calming, and stable color, especially a darker green. It really gives that sense of uh, I'm conservative and I'm wealthy. So you think of like a library where it's that rich, dark green and all the dark wood. Um, those darker greens, are that's why they're used a lot at law offices. You'll see a deep, rich green. So red and blue are going to be your primary business colors, and you can also throw in some green. Just be careful with some of the other colors, depending on what kind of image that you want to um, throw off. I think a lot of times we don't even think about what kind of image we're portraying with the colors that we're wearing. Yeah, and it, it, it can also not just the colors, but how does it fit? So you could have the perfect suit on, you know, and a lot of people said that about Chris Christie because he's lost a lot of weight. And people were very critical because it looks like he's wearing the same suits because they don't fit him. And, you know, the goal is for not, people not to look at your clothing, for them to look you in the eye and look at your face. And when clothing becomes a distraction, either because you've got something spilled on the front of your shirt or it's wrinkled or it doesn't fit well, when clothing becomes a distraction and they notice your clothing instead of noticing you, then it's an issue. So our goal is to walk into a room and have somebody say, you look great. Not, I love that suit. Those shoes are amazing. Why did you get the scarf, you know? Wow, look at that jewelry, you know? Our goal is for people to look at our entire image and say, man, they, they are pulled together. They know what they're doing. I trust them, and I want to work with them. Within seven seconds, that's the message you want to get across to people. So color is important. Your grooming is important. Uh, the fit of your clothing doesn't cost that much to get clothing tailored. And considering how much money it can make you down, you know, that return on investment to spend 50 or or $100 to get uh, something tailored to fit you, do one suit. You know, have one go-to outfit. Most of us have one go-to outfit anyway that we know, like, oh, gosh, I get this important interview. I know what I'm going to wear, that one outfit that I get compliments in, that I feel good in. Um, and then, you, then you're looking at body language. You know, how do you stand? Are you slumped? Are you, do you look insecure? Are you looking at the floor? Or do you stand up straight? Are you looking people in the eye? When you shake someone's hand, there's a lot of things you can tell about a handshake. You know, when your hand is perfectly vertical going straight up and down, that is a sign of equality. You know, I, I look at you as an equal. When your hand is palmed down when you're shaking hands, that, that is a sign of authority. That is somebody that's a little bit more aggressive, that's in charge, that's, that's hustling, that's making it, that's going. You know, their palm is down, they're in charge. If the palm is up, 
that's actually a sign of submission. I'm receiving something from you. My palm is up, so give me something, you know. Um, so how you shake hands is also, it's really funny when you watch videos. I have a body language course that I work through with my clients, and I show them videos of different heads of state when they meet each other, and then you can see the power struggle going on. It's all subconscious. I don't even think they realize that they're doing it, but they're both trying to do the palm down handshake, and so there's kind of that grappling. So then what they'll convert to is they'll reach up with their left hand and grab the other person's shoulder. And then, you know, so then they've got the shoulder thing, so that's kind of an aggressive move, too. And they've got the, and depending on where you grab the upper arm or if you put it on the top of the shoulder. And so all these little body language clues are really things that we pick up subconsciously that we don't notice. But sometimes you just get an uncomfortable feeling about somebody and you don't know why. More than likely, it's your uh, subconscious telling, picking up body language cues that you're not even realizing. But once you learn to identify those in others as well as yourself, you can fix them. Feet are important too. But anyway, that gets on to a whole <laughs> different topic. But yeah, so learning uh, how you present yourself physically, how you wear, you know, the clothing you're wearing and your grooming, super important. Do you have any tips on where somebody can go to learn about body from image? Me. <laughs> from me, of course. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure exactly when this is going to be airing, but yeah, if people go to my website, ColleenHammond.com, I'm constantly coming out with new information, uh, and that will link to everywhere. It links to the, you know, because right now I'm moving a lot of my courses from where they are, so they're offline at this moment, at the at the point of our recording, but moving that to a different location. So yeah, just go to my, uh, my website, ColleenHammond.com. I have a, a link to a lot of free YouTube videos and you know, I realize everyone's coming from a, a different financial standpoint, and there's enough free information that I think will help people. But if people want to go deeper, then I have things that I work with on uh, people going a bit deeper on, on all of that as well. So, But I have a lot of free stuff, but go to my website, and it'll kind of point everywhere else. Awesome. We'll make sure that's linked up in the show notes. We've talked a little bit about how body image impacts how people view the leader. Have you seen it impact the ability for a leader to lead? Absolutely. There's there's a lot of studies that have been done about enclosed cognition, and I have a link on my website for that as well. Basically, the study was is they gave people a white coat to wear. Some people they told it was a doctor's coat. And some people they said, okay, I want you to put this on. You're, you're a painter. This is a painter's coat. Based on what people thought they were wearing determined how well they did on these tests. You know, they did this whole thing. So the people who thought they were wearing a doctor's coat performed much better. Their body language was different. The way they greeted people was different. The people who thought they were dressed as a painter reacted like they were not an authority. And it's a very, very, very widespread study. It's not like they just did it on 20 people or anything. I mean, this is huge studies that they've done over years and over time. And there's been others as well. So it's called, uh, you know, enclosed cognition. So what they have, how you dress determines how you think of yourself. And I think everybody understands that. I mean, you can put on, when you're kind of slouching around the house and, you know, let's say the president of the United States walks into your house and you're just kind of slopping around in your work clothes or whatever. It's like, whoa, oh my gosh, you know. Um, 
but if you were at work and you're dressed to the nines and you know you in your favorite outfit, your favorite suit, your favorite dress, your favorite whatever, uh, and you know you are pulled together, you know when you have a good day, you know when you're pulled together, you react differently. So how we dress not only impacts what other people think about us, it impacts how we think about ourselves and how we behave, how we perform. That's why a lot of schools have gone to uniforms because they want children wearing certain things and they're finding grades that improved. You know, there are some issues in lower income areas and, you know, things being stolen, you know, that kind of stuff. But they have found that when children are dressed in a certain way, their scores are, are better. Uh, I happen to know we homeschooled, and I know a lot of homeschooling families, that they have a uniform. So the children get up in the morning and they put on their school clothes. And it triggers something in their mind. Okay, I'm dressed this way. Now I'm going to do this thing. Uh, so how we dress absolutely impacts uh, how we feel about ourselves and how we perform as well. Do you have any tips on how to dress well for body image on a budget? Absolutely. I'm huge on being on a budget. I teach my clients. Now, some of my clients can afford to buy some really wealthy things, and that's, you know, they just don't want to bother going to thrift stores. But I teach my clients, here's a really important tip. If you want to dress really well, go to the Goodwill or a thrift store or something, a consignment shop in the wealthy parts of town amazing the deals that you can get because women I, I've had you know and I'm not a normal size I'm a 12 tall so trying to find a 12 tall was rough so I started going to this particular goodwill in the wealthy part of town and there was a 12 tall woman that was just giving away her clothes most of them still had tags on them they were designer clothes and they fit to a certain extent. I took them to a tailor, spent $30, got them fitting perfectly. And those are some of my best suits that I still own uh, that I can mix and match with a lot of things. The other, so that's one really important tip. The other uh, two tips, actually, one is to develop, uh, actually, the second tip. So shop in a uh, thrift store, consignment shop, Goodwill, in the wealthy parts of town. And you kind of have to figure out when they're getting their stuff in, when they put them out. You just have to ask. Uh, then the second thing is to develop a uniform. You know, there's people that wear uniforms all the time that you know and you don't even think about it. Uh, for example, um, Steve Jobs. He was always in the same thing. He saw the turtleneck all the time. You know, it's like that's all he owned. You, you kind of wonder, like, wow, is that only really jeans and a turtleneck? Come on. That was his signature style. That was his uniform. Mark Zuckerberg. He's always in a T-shirt. What's with that? You know, I'm not recommending a T-shirt as a way to dress for success or a turtleneck. But but developing a uniform like that it can save you a lot of money. Simon Cowell. You always see Simon Cowell. Remember, he was back on American Idol. He always had either a white T-shirt on or when he was super dressed up, he would wear a tuxedo with a white shirt. But he always has that white T-shirt or a gray or a black T-shirt. That was his signature style. So I teach women to develop a wardrobe with 22 pieces that mix and match with each other to make thousands and thousands of outfits. There's no way that people will know that you're only working with 22 pieces. So that's a core wardrobe of 22 pieces. I teach people step by step by step how to determine what those pieces are, what pieces you need. Because we have, you know, most of my clients, I say from the beginning, go through your closet, add up how much you spent. 
I mean, they have thousands of things in their closets, and I'm a shoe shoe fanatic, so I go over the 22. I, I recommend five, you know, pieces of shoes, and I have way more than that. But that's where you start with these 22 pieces. But there's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothing in there, and we wear 15 to 20 percent of it. The rest of it we can give away and let somebody else benefit from. So much, much more about a simple lifestyle because, you know, the, your brain can only make a certain amount of decisions per day. And uh, I did a YouTube video on this on my Coffee with Colleen Monday mornings where you, you have dis- decision fatigue, where you make so many decisions during the day that after a while your brain just checks out. And it's based on glucose levels. I have all the scientific research on it. If you can keep your wardrobe simple and you already know what you're going to wear, then that's one less decision that you have to make during the day. If you already know what you're going to have for breakfast, if you already know your morning routine, which I learned from Michael Hyatt, how to get up and do that whole morning routine, that's one less decision you need to make during the day. So to simplify all of our lives, especially our wardrobes, um, to start for women, (laughs) because we have all this stuff, simplify it down, have a minimalist wardrobe. And then once you have those 22 core pieces, then you can start branching out in a couple of different areas. But I have a step-by-step process that takes everyone through that. Super simple. What do you wish you had known about leadership 10 years ago? (sighs) To stop worrying about what other people are doing and to stop worrying about what other people are thinking. You can't make everybody happy. You know, Brene Brown, you know, and I recommend all of Brene Brown's books. Brene Brown gave the quote from Theodore Roosevelt that it's not the critic who matters. You know, it's the person that's in the arena doing battle with you. And sometimes I saw an interview with Jennifer Lopez, of all people, and she said that she was, uh, they were discussing this just casually, not Brene Brown's book, but they were talking about how do you deal with haters because haters going to hate, right? And she's, you know, what's amazing is sometimes we forget about other people who love us. And when somebody criticizes us, you know, we'll go on to Amazon to see how our book is doing. And we start reading, why did I get one star? And you read this one star review. It's like, that's not true. How could they, you know, instead of looking at the five star reviews, they're looking at the people that love us. So I wish I would have been more concerned, and and as a spiritual person and a Christian, I firmly believe that God has put me on this planet for a specific reason, and I think everyone is here for a reason. So when my example in my life is always when Peter's walking on the water and he looks around too much and he sees what's going on around him, and that's when he sings, and our our Lord reaches out, oh, you know, ye have little faith, right? I so true in our personal life. We feel that... we feel we're doing the right thing ethically and morally and we're in a direction. We just need to focus on going in that direction. But I wish I would have known that 30 years ago. It's too caught up in, in you know, what other people thought and what other people think. And it's that uh, proverb of the man and his son and the donkey. And he's going through town and his son's on the donkey. And people are like, look at that. That young man is so disrespectful of his father. He's making his father walk. And the father is like, wow, I had him on the donkey because, you know, his leg is, he's, he's gimping or whatever, you know. So he takes the son off and he gets on the donkey, you know. And then they go to the next town. And the people in that town are like, look at that man. He's riding the donkey. That poor son's limping. Look, he's limping. And that old man doesn't even 
but care about his son, you know? And so then the old man gets off and puts his son back on. They get to the next town and like, oh, that poor donkey, they've got it laden down with all those things, you know? And then they, you know, you can't make everybody happy. Focus on your own mission. Pray about it. Meditate on it. And, and know that you're making every day, make the ethical and moral decision to do the next right thing and move yourself forward a little bit each day. What tiny little thing you can do? What 10 minutes can you do today to take you closer to your next goal? So if I'd have known that 30 years ago, if I had focused more on doing the next right thing instead of you know trying to make everybody happy, you know, now I'm more focused on, okay, I'm going to do the next right thing. And then I throw out a beta testing and an alpha testing and then a beta testing. And I reach out to my clients and say, okay, what's working for you? What's not working? How else can I help you? And I get that feedback. And some of it doesn't fit my brand. Some, doesn't, some of it doesn't fit my image. But some of it does. I'm like, oh, that's what, okay, this is how I need to serve my family, my people, my tribe, my lifers. I need to serve them better. And then adjusting that way instead of focusing so much on people who don't appreciate my mission, they have somebody else that they can go to. Everybody has somebody else that they can turn to. And if I'm not the person that can help take that next step, that's okay. There's somebody else out there for them. But there's other people that, I need to serve and and to minister to. So not to worry. Haters going to hate. Don't worry about the haters. And love your tribe, love your people, and always do the next ethical and moral thing in your life. Fantastic advice. Can you recommend one book that would help leaders grow? I love Brene Brown. Anything by Brene Brown. Rising Strong is her most recent book that I just finished. I'm also in the middle of Amy Cuddy's new book, Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges. And that has really, really been powerful. I have a couple of children that are introverted. um, And she talks in that book a lot about, um, you know, just kind of working with your own style and your own personality, just learning how to flourish during stressful moments and learning how to tap into who you are, working on your better things and not worrying, you know, so just that good balance in life. So I'm about halfway through that book, and that's been very powerful. Uh, I don't know, people probably remember Amy Cuddy for her TED Talk on, you know, power stance, you know, uh, and and the power position and, and body language and whatnot. And this is kind of along those lines, but in a different direction. So those would be two, Brene Brown, Rising Strong, and Amy Cuddy, Presence is her new book. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the podcast audience today? Um, my, my, just my quick five tips uh, for, you know, leadership, I think. Uh, the first is you have seven seconds to make a first impression. So always be meticulously groomed. Dress appropriately for the job you want, for your career, and for your position. Skin may sell in sexual, in advertising because sex scales, but sex sells rather. Um, but too much skin in a professional situation is not going to help you. So dress appropriately for your career and your position. Number three is watch your body language. Learn about body language. I have lots of free videos. There's lots of free videos on YouTube that you can watch as well. Number four, get your priorities order. order. At the end of your life when you're on your deathbed, what's going to be the thing that you regret? You know, is it going to be 
you know, gosh, I didn't make a million that year, I only made 800000 or, you know, whatever. What are your priorities? And, and for me, it's God first, family second, and, and then my career. And right now, my mom is just diagnosed with cancer, so that's a huge priority in my life. And number five is always do the ethically and morally right next thing. So those are my, it kind of covers a multitude of things um, and areas of your life, but those would be my five tips for personal leadership and personal success. Great advice. Where can the listeners find you? Can they connect with you anywhere online other than your website? Uh, I'm all over the place on social media. I'm on Twitter at Colleen M. Hammond. I'm on Facebook at Colleen Hammond. I'm on Instagram, Colleen M. Hammond. Um, YouTube, Colleen M. Hammond. Or is it Colleen Hammond? I think it's Colleen Hammond. (laughs) Uh, So I'm pretty much on every social media platform that's out there. Uh, But, you know, everything... Uh, my website, like I said, depending on when people are listening to this, we're just changing over the website in the next couple of weeks. But uh, even as we're limping along, everything is still there. Uh, so, yeah, find me anywhere. And, and hopefully, whatever's your favorite platform, I'm already there. And Because and, I've got free information on all of those platforms. So any place on, the, on Google me, you'll find me. <laughs> we'll make sure we have those links linked up in the show notes. Thank you, Colleen, for being with us today and sharing your insights about leadership and image. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening in to today's episode. I hope Colleen helped you as much as she helped me. She showed me that your image is important to your leadership, and people are constantly judging you by what you wear, how you present yourself, and even the way you walk. As a leader, we need to be conscious of the image we're projecting to the world around us. Are you... If you would like the show notes for today's episode, you can go to jmlalone.com slash 015. There you'll find tweetable quotes, a truncated transcript, and links to the resources Colleen talked about. Until next time, lead well.